Hi folks, thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A few things before I let you get to the show. We are going to be live as part of Podcast for Palestine on Sunday the 28th of January in the Sugar Club and there are limited tickets available on eventbrite.ie right now. The link is at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. It's 15 quid a ticket and all proceeds are going to Gaza. So come along, support a great cause and have a great night's entertainment. Hope to see lots of you there. Uh, also, we need your support. The Tortoise Shack relies entirely on you to keep the show on the road. We've no ads, we've no sponsors and we don't have to pull any editorial punches because of any corporate interests. We're activists first and foremost. And when we say we rely on you, it's because we are you. So if you get something from the pods, give something back. Join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise The link for that is at the bottom of the podcast you're about to listen to. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for everybody who likes and shares. But come on board for 2024 and help this independent podcast platform keep trucking and keep throwing the odd haymaker here and there. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, it's been a lot this year. It's been an absolute whirlwind, a roller coaster and all those stupid cliches that we throw at things. But sadly, um, though speaking of whirlwinds and roller coasters, he's still with us. Martin, you defied the odds. Another year in the books and, and, and possibly some part into 2024, you still will be lingering lingering and making my life no, difficult. I know. I, you know, I'm a bit like Stormont. There, forgotten about for times, active at times, and then there's other people trying to shut me down the whole time. So, me and Stormont, we have this affinity going. We're trying to keep ourselves going, you know? Yeah. Trying to make ourselves the, relevant. The, it, it is very funny, folks, because he bought that Christmas jacket that he's wearing now eight years ago, and it used to fit him, but now the jacket has just consumed him. I'm just so glad that, that this is video, audio only, I should say, because there's now this, like, headset above above a, 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 a fluffy a fluffy hoodie. Um, but no, look, fair play. I think it's great that you, you continue to... Um, no, I've nothing. I've nothing nice to say about you. I'm sorry. No, no, it's you gone. see, it's all, the, all the must kill Kenny jokes are gone. Yeah, gone yeah. at this stage. <laughs> we'll get into it. Um, but no, we, you, you mentioned Stormont. We won't go there immediately. But we are delighted to be joined by uh, writer, author, um, and you would have heard her on the Shrapnel podcast, uh, um, Claire Mitchell. Uh, Claire, it's great to see you. It's Jesus. It seems like we've a, a long time before we've done this. So it's it's actually lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, and we are joined by, I believe, um, the second best ukulele player on the island of Ireland outside of Brezzy, uh, trade unionist, cranky, cranky troublemaker, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, St- Steve Baker. Stephen, how are you keeping? It's good to see you. I'm all the better for having my, my ukulele skills acknowledged. That's lovely. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, uh, like a second best, you know, you and Brezzy. That's it. Like, um, didn't it, but let, can I ask a, qu- a quick question? Was this something that happened because of COVID? Every, everybody went during COVID and took about a hobby. And I know a lot of people went in, well, tried the ukulele. And then a few months later, there was a lot of ukuleles for available on dundeal.ie, you know? No, no, I, I was playing the ukulele before that. In fact, before I was playing the ukulele, I was uh, known as the best rhythm guitarist in Newton Arts, which is damning with faint praise if ever there was, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I moved, I, I sort of graduated to the ukulele, although I've, I've got half a notion that my 18-year-old self could see me with a ukulele on my lap. Well, well, no, it doesn't it, have uh, that cool factor, though, does it, really? It, it's not the harmonica, it's not the bass you know, ukulele, it's, it doesn't really have the cool factor. What was the, do- Steve, Steve, the line is, it takes, it takes a big man to play a small guitar and fuck all the, the fuck the big <laughs> Rogers. That's what you tell them. 
but uh, you say about the, the you know the 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 man in Newton Ards. I think it was when we had Scott Moore on recently. He did say he was like the second best rap battler in his in his in his area. And you're going, I, right, I don't think this. <laughs> it's like yeah, so so. There's me and there's an alpaca that shouts, and the alpaca beat me. You know that's. that's and he lives in Straban. <laughs> I doubt there's many rap battles going on in Straban, Claire. Um, listen, we've gotten off on the great start because that's all the good stuff out of the way. Uh, the, the last, the last, I, I jokingly titled this uh, and Nordy Nanulig, and we were having a bit of crack about it when we were talking about, about setting this up. But it's been an insanely bad year in in the north in general um oh i should plug steve has a podcast called north it's nice and simple uh, easy to find available on spotify and through the left block um uh platform as well and do throw them a few quid if you if you can it's it's a political education uh, exercise and they do great stuff so apologies i should after you've thrown us a few after you've thrown us a few <laughs> yeah 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 um but claire can i come to you can you tell me what you think stood out for you this year in terms of and it could be a highlight or a low light. I don't care. Uh, but tell me what stood out for you in terms of um, the the events or lack of events in Northern Ireland and Northern Irish politics. I suppose the moment that stands out is the Good Friday Agreement um, celebrations, if that's the word, when the great and the good were at Queens and everybody else sat at home, going, "You absolute." <laughs> It was just such a disassociating experience, do you know? Um, the only thing I went to that week was um, uh, an exhibition by Relatives for Justice uh, about the mummies, photographs of mothers who lost um, their kids, mostly the British soldiers, um, in the early 70s. And it was big uh, portraits of, of those guys. And they were there with their kids and their grandkids. And it wasn't a big media deal about that so that just summarizes the year kind of everybody sitting at home cheesed off victims yeah everybody, everybody. <laughs> DIYing their own events being ignored and this pomp and ceremony and this mysterious process which never goes anywhere but crap but 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 steve so, steve just to come to you on the exact same thing were you disappointed to see that you know Blair came back, Clinton came back, they all came back and they all took the laurels and nothing, you know, nobody gave, as you said, it, it absolutely added nothing to what was actually happening right there and was relevant to people on the ground, considering what was genuinely happening in A, your community and B, with something like, you know, the legislation to get rid of effectively any any hope for um, truth and reconciliation and, and, and the legacy bill. Yeah, it was really disappointing, and for the reasons that Claire mentioned. I mean, one of the things, I got invited to an event, to speak at an event um, in Larne, to uh, a, a group of of, uh, of people from the loyalist community. Um, and I was there basically because they wanted somebody to comment on uh, media coverage of the Good Friday Agreement, and there was other people there who'd been involved in the negotiations. There must have been about 200 people in the room, you know, all working class people, um, who sat for two hours, listening to the recollections of people who'd been involved in the, the negotiations, listening to analysis of it. And you could have heard a pin drop for those two hours. They were really engaged, really interested. Um, and I had that as a kind of contrast to all the kind of pomp and ceremony that was taking place um, around the two universities uh, in Belfast. And it was it was such an, such an informative contrast. You know, people who, who did want to engage with the political questions 
who did want to think about the history of it, but they were just kind of excluded. They were kind of pushed aside by the by the the political superstars. And we have that too. We do have that too, and we've seen this here in the south with our, our celebrations, hundred year celebrations. That you know, it's ticket only events. Uh, you know, the hoi polloi get to go, but the ordinary people might watch a few highlights on TV. But otherwise, you're not involved. It was nothing to do with you, and very much that message comes through. Um, is it the same kind of feeling? It's it's like we'll take the accolades. It's not really about you. It's about us. And same I have thing a typology in, in my head: grift and graft. And there's a sort of layer of grift that goes on, you know, the professional peace process. And a lot of those people are doing really good work. But below that, there's the graft. And that's ordinary people getting on with the job every day. And we're actually doing quite well. I think in the North, there's a lot of reconciliation going on in the ground. We've become really expert at weaving around one another and, and sussing out those differences and understanding each other. And it's just so frustrating that all of that just kind of gets parked uh, in the wake of this political blockage and the politics doesn't reflect um, the exciting stuff that's happening on the ground. But just like... Uh, of, so, yeah. Of, of, of course, like, I mean, but the issue is still... Like, like we were talking to Thomas Pringle yesterday in Donegal and he was talking about, you know, Donegal having the worst um, outcomes in terms of people with mental health illnesses, you know, um, youth unemployment opportunities and, and these sort of things. He's, he may as well be talking about like Ulster in, in a way. And I know that sounds really like this. There's, there's parts of Belfast that are booming, that are doing quite well, that have become more affluent. But there's huge parts of the community that, that communities that are struggling, and the failure of politics there is 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 um it's not, it's not even a solitary tale. It's a lived experience, a lived a lived truth for people who are trying to um you know there's no where's the socioeconomic opportunities? Where's the where's the people you know who who are moving up and and I mean Steve, you're you're a cranky trade unionist. You must sit, look at this and say you know to hell with them all because they're just they're leaving us behind. There's a, you know, in a way, I think the, the problem has existed really since the signing of the agreement. Um, you know, for all the virtues of that agreement, you know, there was um, it, it, it was a, it was a strange kind of political transformation, in the in that it was a political transformation which left all the old faces still in place. You know, so although there was people involved in that those negotiations who were new and seemed to be fresh to politics. You know, um, some of the loyalist parties that emerged at that stage in the Women's Coalition. You know, where we are now, 25 years later, it's exactly this, you know, it's, it's the same personnel that were there previously. So we had a, a political transformation that didn't sweep away anyone away and bring a new class, new ideas, um, uh, you know, a new political leadership. It kept the old political leadership in place and allowed them to keep going. So in some respects, when you come 25 years later and you look at the state of the place, that problem was kind of baked into the agreement, I think, at the very start. And it's interesting because where, where, where I work in Belfast and York Street, you know, when I walk to the campus, you can see two Belfasts that live almost sort of cheek by jowl. And I remember, um, I think it was an Irish Times journalist talking about the experience of walking from the train to the Belfast campus of Ulster University, or sorry, Ulster University um, uh, to see Joe Biden. And what they saw as they walked the campus was all the little boutique restaurants and cafes and craft ale bars and stuff like that. And they talked about how Belfast was booming. 
But I walk there quite regularly, and what I see is dereliction. You know, you can look across the road and you can look at, at what should have been part of Belfast that was up for redevelopment um, by Castlebrook Developments, the Tribeca Quarter, as it was going to be called. And it's just derelict. You know, and there's just homeless people sitting around there, people with no homes. You can sort of see um, uh, drug addiction like I've never encountered before in Belfast. So that's the other Belfast. And they both seem to exist cheek by jowl. So you can tell a story of remarkable success and prosperity, but it doesn't take you to look that hard to sort of see just behind that and just to sort of see the dereliction and despondency that exists there as well. And it's almost a year now since the statutory deadline for the executive formation expired. I mean, the North loves nothing better than to listen to deadlines going past their heads. Is there any hope or does it even make a difference at this stage if Stormont gets up and running? I think there's something quite honest about Stormont being down and just surveying the wreckage of that. And it's opened up a space where people are really questioning like future options in more creative and interesting ways. But it has to come back because public sector workers' pay is completely frozen, which is already so pegged so far below all the other British nations in the Republic of Ireland. And without that, Stormont, there's no pay rises. It has to come back because Michelle O'Neill has to become First Minister. It's the right thing. It's the moral arc. It's how the story goes. And I just think it's wrong to um to stop it on this note. Um and you can't you can't just have no government. Like it's not, it shouldn't be optional. But there's no part of me that is excited to have this Stormont back and just get into the the cat fights and the like i think it's crap i think it'll fall down again i think we should definitely be going that was an interesting 25 years let's think about doing this radically differently for the next 25 it's, so yeah part of me like scott moore just doesn't care <laughs> like it has failed but there is another part of me that tries to push beyond the nihilism and if the public sector workers are saying we need to get back and they're, you know, then like we got to listen to that. We got it. It's the thing that got it back last time. I, I, oh, I, I want to try. Maybe the thing to get it back this time. I think, was, I think look, I don't want to, it's really, I think you've outlined it really importantly why it needs to come back. But I want to make a cheap dig, by the way. You, you mentioned, everybody's mentioned Queens. Queens have had a hell of a year if it wasn't, you know, from um, using the same accommodation company and, and hospitality company as the one that that put that big barge the, uh, in it for refugees in, in the UK. Um, you know, that that's the same company that was that was doing their uh, doing their accommodation and their hospitality. And then we see reports uh, that they're, they're receiving even money from uh, you know uh, weapons manufacturers in the UK as well up to four million from defense companies yeah. uh, um, it's 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 kind of it's worth I know it's only a small story on the on the outset but it just shows how you know when you're when these things aren't managed and 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 you can't have central government there's no attention on some of these things that that should people should be able to parse a bit better am i am i mad thinking that that that, that these would have been maybe they would have got a bit more attention i mean 
But sure, if Stormont came back, they'd be trying to get more money from our company. <laughs> well, they'd be mismanaging things even well, worse. Welcome to, welcome to Queen's Lockheed Martin University in Belfast, you know. Um, I just find, no, I just do find that whole thing distasteful. Can, uh, this last because we spoke to John Barry about it who was obviously working with the, the union there to, to try and sort of say look we don't want to use this company that are um, you know that we, we've seen a refugee die on one of those barges in the last couple of weeks um, so you know we can't get away from that um, there, there, there is There's a broader question there Tony for universities so you know nope. I mean you know about about their kind of sort of civic and responsible sort of civic and, and, and public responsibilities and, you know, as somebody who works in that sector, I know that universities are full of, you know, people trying to do really good work in really rather difficult circumstances, people like John Barry, who you mentioned. But if you if you look at universities uh, in, in the context of, of, of the North, you know, there was an opportunity for them to sort of step up and offer some kind of civic leadership in the absence of political leadership. Uh, and they didn't do it. And you could see that at the time of the Good Friday Agreement's 25th anniversary but they should have been doing that for for 25 years i can remember five years ago um bumping into uh, a senior manager walking through the campus on the uh, 20th anniversary of the good friday agreement and at that stage the um the 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 assembly uh, the, the, the assembly was down at that stage also and he stopped me because he sort of thought oh there's steve steve likes a bit of politics we'll have a bit of a chat and he said to me isn't it dreadful it's not dreadful that these politicians are are not going to the work at the moment and we can't get our budget. And my reply to him was, hell slap at Indians. You know, we've had 20 years at that stage to produce a kind of political leadership that could administer this place pompadently, and we haven't done it. You know, universities were more concerned with, you know, swelling their own coffers and making senior managers rich and redeveloping the city centre for the benefit of private landlords. You know, and now you're going to stand and complain because the politics doesn't work. Well, maybe you should have been paying more attention to the politics and offering the civic leadership, which was needed in the absence of political leadership here. But they didn't do it. Um, you know, and you can maybe tell them, I'm a little, little bit annoyed about that. Slightly. <laughs> slightly. Uh, if I, if I can't, Steve, just I'm going to flip that coin slightly and I'm just going to say to you, well, yeah, we see there's no political leadership and it has to come from the civic end. But have unions been slow? to step up to the mark and say, this is a space we can occupy. We can affect change without being a political party. I would always love unions to be doing that. Um, and yeah, they probably could do more. Um, but it's worth bearing in mind that there are occasions, you know, when you're trying to hold together a trade union movement um, in the context of a civil conflict where there's you know, sectarianism is rife, if you can come through 25, 30 years and not have a union that's split, you know, my attitude to that is well done. Um, but can you do more? But the other thing too is, and I, I love to remind managers of this when they're complaining bitterly about the behaviour of unions, you know, when we go on strike and stuff like that. Um, you know, when the, when the IRIC spark collapsed in 1996, it was the trade unions that brought people back out onto the streets demanding that that ceasefire be uh, reinstated. Um, nobody had a bad word to say about trade unions then. So there are moments when, when when trade unions are invaluable and they're able to do that. They have to act, I think, very carefully, carefully in the context in which they operate. But yeah, you know, I think in, in many ways there, I mean, Claire, Claire's always got an ear for what's happening at a kind of grassroots level. And I think very often at a grassroots level, there's a lot of trade unionists 
um, and trade union organisations that do tremendous work there, um, very often with very, very limited resources. And um, I don't know that that sometimes gets the acknowledgement that sometimes deserves. Yeah, and trade union, like organised labour, as you said, it, the fact that organised labour transcends sectarian boundaries, and it really does transcend sectarian boundaries, there is an opportunity for unions to do with politics can't or won't or won't rise to. And there is an opportunity, I, I certainly think, for unions to do with politics can't. And politics can't be that unifying factor. Um, I just think it's an interesting thing, Steve. I think unions have played a very big part in Northern Ireland and in the South of Ireland. But I think in in the last Mar- Martin, can I, Martin, can, Martin, can I throw? Can I throw? Uh, I'm gonna gonna summarize what you're trying to say in ways. By the way, the union movement in in the North is more effective and, and has been actually more has been growing at a better rate than some of the stuff we've done in the South. And we've had problems. We're worried. We've concerns down here about the lack of you know. Um, you know, we had Brendan Ogle in here, who, who used to be called a friar brand, and uh, Brendan, I'd consider almost nearly a centrist nowadays. You know, it's uh, we we want we want some more uh, caustic uh, union it, behavior. It, it's, it's, uh, no, no, it's funny what Brendan said is that unions are reflective of their membership. Well, if unions up north are reflective of membership, they're more progressive than politics. Yeah, they, I mean, they they are. I mean, again, and I think this goes back to the point that Claire was making. You know, I think on the ground, you know, there's there's a great deal more to be optimistic about than what there is amongst this, what is a fairly useless lump and political class that we have here. Um, and there may be reasons for why those people keep getting returned to power. But again, you know, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm reminded also of those occasions when, you know, a workplace would be beset by political conflict. You know, it wasn't managers fixed those. So if I can plug for a moment my, my, my mates in Trademark, you know, it was trade unionists um, like Joe Law went into those workplaces and worked with, with, with uh, on, on in difficult difficult circumstances on the shop floor and tried to repair relationships. You know, so that work was always going on there and trade unions could always do it. And it, it hasn't always been easy, but, um, you know, I think there is something there to build on. Claire, you know, if, if we if we see that, there's something to build on there. Claire, if I could just come to you, he's talking about the, the movements and trade unions, and you're talking about the, the, the stuff that's happening on the ground. You're someone who I would put, <laughs> I would say you're a lot more passionate about um, the culture of of peoples on this island than than, than I am, certainly. <laughs> you know, um, you pay more attention to it, you're more engaged with it. You've also seen how it is a, 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 a way of bringing communities together and, and, and in those situations. are you When you see the discussions that are happening now, so and I'm going to be completely frank about it, like the ridiculous stuff where they say, you know, I heard Mary Lou MacDonald on the Irish Times just, was it yesterday? And the, the question was, you know, oh, about the flag nonsense again. And I was like going, you know, personally, if they talked about a united Ireland and the flag was Barney the dinosaur, it wouldn't bother me. I don't. It, it doesn't really bother me at all. But I also know that these you you know because in the communities these things are important to to people in different cultures, different communities. How have you seen that over the last twelve months? Because talking to people like Sam and 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 Gareth and working with them on on shrapnel. I've noticed that there's a differences of like, you know, who they talk to. Some people it's very important to, and then you hear Davy Adams and he's like, yeah, no, the, the, the future's what matters more. Um, what, what, what's your take on that? 
Firstly, my take on the flag is I also could not give one shit <laughs> what it is. Maybe the United Irish one without the harp, without the boobies, um, just to bring it up to, to date. But some people, I know it's just a bit weird, isn't it? The, but I do like that. But I think what's happened in the last year is people are losing a bit of their fear about speaking. And Shrapnel and Davy Adams, that's a, a brilliant kind of, um, example, the Shrapnel podcast has been so brave this year. Like I have often looked around and looked for the spirit of the Northern Ireland Labour Party and progressive loyalism of the peace process years. And where is that? Does it exist anymore? Was it at your meeting in Lauren, Steve? And and I think they're helping me um, be able to locate it again. And part of that is bringing those conversations about culture that people care about, flags and emblems for those who, who do care about that. Um, and then part of it is also just facilitating a wider imaginative space where people like Davy Adams can come in with all his kind of loyalist background and, and work in peace and reconciliation and refocus. Um, I think the unity debate was, or or what we're doing, constitutional debate, whatever it is we're doing, who knows, was really focused initially on on symbols and emblems. And I think that was a, a quite immature debate. Those things matter to some people and they should come along um, once we get going and bring their ideas to the table. But I think now a lot of people have moved on to democracy. We've moved on to governance. We've moved on to accountability. We've moved on clean drinking water, all of these things, do you know, and people are the starkness of what's happening with the collapse of the welfare state in the north whether it's a british withdrawal maybe it's just terrible mismanagement <laughs> you know it's it's hard to tell what's going on but the place is falling apart at the seams and it is focusing minds in such an interesting way and to me the cultural stuff is low hanging fruit um yes yes have the have but, the march but you also thing. but you also are someone who who treasures the our history as a as a uh, you know across the island so so you can see the, the, the that but you're also not willing to put that away, like look at it and say and i have having read some of the stuff you've you've written it's clear you have um a graph for 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 much of of the stuff that you you know like how how these things how these stories are told and how they evolve but i think it's really important for listeners benefits you're saying no none of that gets in the way of you know making things better in the future there's an opportunity there Aye, but it's like Bernadette <laughs> says, what did she say, Stephen? There's no point in like holding your flag up as the seawater inches above your nose and eyes. And like, but at least Ireland was free. Do you know what use is my Irish language dictionary or my love of 1798 gravestones when we're underwater? Do you know, I do love all those things and all of those um, kind of historical and heritage and language communities that I'm part of have given me ways to connect um, across and between communities but like we have very urgent shit to be getting on with here and I just don't think um, yeah that's where I need my mind and attention to be right now Well we've looked at Northern Ireland politicians and we've seen yeah there's none of them on the ball but if we look Richie Sunak is just there over a year there's been no great headway from the UK either and you look down south and we have plenty of opportunities to I'll choose my words carefully here to progress nationalist Irish interests up north, such as we have the money 
to buy your water back. We have the money. We have the money down here to do it. We could do things like that. We could start helping with infrastructural projects. We have. I mean, we should be doing this. Is this is the low hanging fruit for me? Is that we have the money now to be, you know, very slowly making our own ways and say, look, it's be- have have your water with us. It's better to have it with us. Maybe if we can do something about our electricity, have your electricity through us. It's cheaper through us. You know, that if you offer a better economic model than exists now at the moment, but the Irish government isn't at the game either. So, I mean, is it is it a three-way blind that the, the northern politicians, the southern politicians, the UK politicians simply don't give a shit about the attic? Yeah, you take the hot potato. No, you take the hot potato. <laughs> yeah. Um, the site isn't particularly proactive, but I do think it is quietly um, funding and stepping in to plug gaps all over the north. And I think that's probably the easy way. And I think um, Steve and I and other of those of us here working with Protestant communities up here, our job is to keep the dialogue going and to um, to, to try and make sure it doesn't end up in violence because there's an urgency and there is transition and there is change. And that, in the and that is still simmering under the surface. There's no question about it. There's always the... And, and, and people... No one wants to go back to whatever, you know, to, to anything like the scenes that we've we've all witnessed when we were much younger. In Steve's case, much, much younger. He's still, a, he's a handsome young man. Um, but, 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 you know, I, I, but I push on the, I push on the notion that um, we should be doing more. But one of the reasons I put it to both of you, they're not doing more in the South is because of the threat of Sinn Féin in both North and South, because it will be harder in, in any, in any, should Sinn Féin be in power in the North and then in the South, should they win the next general election? It's, it's, it makes those communities, they're much more wary of them and, and with good reason for generational reasons to, to, to say, you know, but at one point we have to say, and again, we're, we're wrestling with this in the South of like, well, you can't say they can come in and, and engage with the political process and then say that they're not fit to be in politics. We, you know, there's a lot of people who need to cop themselves on about that. But when it comes to, when it comes to, the, to that, is that also one of the, 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 the issues that is, you know, holding... Because, Steve, you made a comment earlier, and I meant to pick you up on it, where people seem to then vote anyway in the ways that they were going to vote. Even, you know, so they may vote against their, their own bloody best interest because at the end of the day, they vote along those lines still in, in, in some ways. And one of the reasons for that is a fear of the rise of Sinn Féin, even if Sinn Féin are now telling everybody in the South, we're okay with uh, Tax Haven Ireland. We're okay with business as usual. We're not going to rock the boat. We're, you know, everything's going to continue on as it is. There's a lot of things I'd like to change about what, what we're hearing out of Sinn Féin in terms of pushing them further to the left. But um, they're definitely down, down in the South right now. They're trying to uh, they're trying to tell everybody where you're where you're basically finna fall um, with, with with a little bit more housing sprinkled on top. You know, um, what's your take on that, Steve? You know, I, I think the you know I think I think everybody everybody both on these islands and both on this island and and, and the neighbouring one, you know that the change it's happening, but it's also necessary. Um, and it's constitutional change, constitutional transformation. And 
that frightens political parties that have a vested interest in how things are at the moment. You know, so in, in many ways, political parties are not going to be the vehicle that's going to bring about the kind of transformation that we're perhaps looking for. It's going to come from elsewhere. And we probably shouldn't underestimate sort of conversations like this taking place. Because how long ago would we have to go back to discover a time when we wouldn't have been doing this? You know, we wouldn't have been talking about these things. So the conversation has kind of opened up. And I think what you're finding on Ireland at the moment, on this island, is that, you know, while people will look at polls and they'll look at elections and they'll sort of say things like, oh, we're not ready for this or we're not ready for that. Intellectually and culturally, um, the conversation about the future is up and running. And at some point, the politics will have to catch up with it. And I think that's true. I mean, I, I always look at Scotland as a kind of an example of this here. You know, what precedes Scottish nationalism and Scottish independence are the genuine political force is the moment sort of in the 1970s and 1980s when Scotland begins to find its cultural voice, develops a much more assertive cultural voice. And you can see that in music and television and drama and literature. You know, something's happening beneath the surface of politics in a way that wasn't taking place here um, during the Good Friday Agreement. There wasn't the kind of cultural groundwork being prepared for the kind of transformation that was necessary. But it's taking place now. But I think if people are just simply looking at political parties and asking what they're doing, I think they're missing something deeper and more fundamental that's taking place here. And again, it's, it's sort of what Claire's talking about there, but the kind of conversations that are starting to, to happen, whether political parties like them or not. I'm always reminded of the time when uh, Leo Faradgar, uh came north and he was, he was talking in West Belfast. And he, he offered this, he said something which he offered as a kind of a warning. He was kind of finger wagging at people. He said people, I think he said something like, people need to think very carefully about the United Ireland because it will mean an entirely new state. You're fucking right, it will. And who doesn't want it? Well, I, I, just, I think, yeah, I'm ready for it. Let's bring yeah. it on. But I bet you people like Leo Varadkar and his political class, that scares the life out of them because they don't mind change. I mean, they don't mind maybe throwing a few pounds up here, Martin, all, all the rest of it. But, you know, what they want is change, which is just enough to allow things to go on the same. How well do you see it's an option. In an all-Ireland, Fianna, Fianna Gael is a very small party in an all-Ireland election. And, you know, if you're going to look and, and you're going to say, you know, who are their natural partners on this island? Well, their natural partners are the unionist parties upstairs, up, up, upstairs I was going to say, up north. But they are. They are. They are. I mean, that, and we see that developing more and more. The same conservative lines of thought, the same conservative lines of action. You know, it really is a bit of a nonsense to think that we still have Mar two separate Mar jurisdictions. But Martin, it's funny when you island. say it on the on on Finnegales, Leo Varadkar saying we and 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 Steve saying absolutely bring it on. Let's have that new debate because we know that um, it's an opportunity. It's not a it's not a challenge. It's a chance to to to, to do things correctly. It's a chance. Well, we have what no other country has. We can actually put together a constitution that works for all the people of Ireland. We can see all the mistakes that everybody else has ever made in the history of the world, and we can put something together that might actually work. I mean, it's an opportunity that we should be embracing, that everybody sh should be saying, well, you know, we can put two halves together and make a much better whole than what well, we but have the, but now. The, but the, but the of challenge, the challenge to power, the, some of the people who have power will have to have less. And, and that, and that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's a, that's always how, you know, loss of privilege does feel like somebody's coming after you, but it is simply loss of privilege. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, 
I'm laughing, thinking we could bring two things together and dig a much deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because the other like, way to go. Could you imagine it would be that the United Ireland would be spelt with a small I and then R E L A N D because it's now owned by Apple. You know, it's like it's, we, we we're joking, but, but we have this awful. Um, we 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 have to address what really has to be done here. And but like Martin is right, we have the money. Albeit we have the money through ways that I would prefer we didn't necessarily, you know, see uh, less money for nurses in Kenya because cause, um, we use transfer pricing in Dublin for every iPhone that's sold in Africa and we're, we're benefiting from it here. All of these little things, we have to face the reality that cannot continue. But... It's so much more than that because the bigger challenges are going to be. We're hearing issues around migration now in, 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 in the South. A lot of problems where people are starting to act up. We've known, we've seen, you know, acts of anti-Semitism. We've also seen Islamophobia where businesses in, in, in the North have, um, have had to close because, you know, the, there's been there's been windows put in and, and, and that sort of stuff. We're going to have to reconcile ourselves with the fact that actually this little island of ours is going to get bigger. People are going to come and uh, we need an all-Ireland re- approach on that. And I don't think whether it be um, any of the powers so far uh, that be are, are putting themselves in any position to say that we're, we're actually getting ready for that. You know, we're, 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 we're acknowledging that we're going to go from... Um, we're going to go from a place where is the is the is this little rock on the edge of Europe to actually a destination where people will want to be, and and I think that's the the big challenge beyond even um, the, what Martin was on about the constitutional opportunity. Uh, I want to ask just in terms of the and I know Claire you you mentioned before we started recording the, the storm had almost got there the DUP decided it didn't because apparently um, I'm just looking at them now the you know they have their was it the the, the seven tests. Um, I I'm looking at them now. So, what was it? um Heracles, son born of the mortal woman Alma Keen, after the, her affair with Zeus? Yeah. They, so <laughs> these are, it, these are w- weird trials that they're setting for people. Claire, can you remind us again um, why uh, why why we still have this nonsense that they can hold this um, seven tests o- over this? And and I know Steve, you've got to go soon because you have to build the the sea border, and it's a lot of it's a lot of work. But 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 if you don't mind, <laughs> um, can you remind us a little bit about that? Because it's strange we forget about all of those big significant things that happened this year. Well. I don't think anybody knows really what the seven tests are. Um, somebody on another podcast said something about sausages <laughs> at Lauren. I think it is to do with trade. I think it's to do with the Act of Union, um, 223-year-old um, act, very important priority. Um, and then they have other um, a criteria in their election manifesto, like fix the NHS. But that doesn't seem to be a big part of of what's keeping Stormont down. I devised my own seven tests, which I would like to demand um, for Stormont and for unity. Uh, uh, one, a government. Two, non-violence, no threats. Three, pay parity for workers. Four, prevent NHS collapse. Five, clean drinking water. Six, climate transition, food and energy security. And seven, stop slobbering and being sectarian um, and sectarian-proof policies. Now, I don't think there's really anybody in the North that would object to much of that. 
But Steve, are we going to get any parties that um, <laughs> will represent these things? I'm just delighted to say bar. that I was. I'm delighted to say that I was here when you made your first pitch for our, being yes. the Irish president. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> this was, I like the sound of that. I've got a, no I've got a confess, Tony. You, you know, you know that. You know, there's nothing there. There's nothing there you disagree with. You know, I mean, it sort of sounds like the bare minimum of just political competence. I mean, I've got to confess that. You know, when you come on, when you when said it was coming on, you sort of mentioned something about the seven tests. I thought, oh God, maybe I should have watched the news because <laughs> I don't watch the news. I just don't. I don't watch the news because <laughs> the news kind of comes with a kind of promise, promise of novelty, and there's never anything new here. There's never anything new. It's 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 like it's you just it's a constant kind of. It feels a bit like a pantomime, but one which nevertheless has sort of dreadful consequences, and nothing new ever happens. And you know, as you pointed out, Tony, I'm very old, but I can remember when me and God were boys. Um, you know, the, the DUP were doing exactly the same thing. Unionism was in the same place. There are posters that have just gone up in my town now uh, talking about um, warning people to be aware of the DUP sellout that's coming. This just happens over and over. There's nothing new here. You know, and it goes back to the point I made earlier on. We had this political transformation 25 years ago where we left all the same decades in positions of power. Nothing new happened. There's no new thinking here. You know, it's just the same old formulas. It's just everything sort of on repeat. And we know what Marx said about history that repeats itself. So why would you turn on the news? I don't pay any attention to what any of the pronouncements of the DUP are. I couldn't care less. It'll be exactly what it was 25 years ago when, you know, I was old then as well. So how do you break that cynicism, Steve? I think you, this is the thing. I'm ready now for a new settlement. I'm ready for something genuinely new. I don't want, you know, I'm, 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 you know, at the age I'm at now, which is is not as old as you think, Tony. I'm fifty five years old. You're you're, you're, you're ten year, ten years younger than Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I've never elected a government. You know, and that's apparently I live in a kind of a, a democracy. I want, I want to, I want in in my autumn years to be involved in actually building something that my kids and other people's kids can kind of live in comfortably, you know, um, and that means not just repeating the same old mistakes of the past. That means doing something different and something new. And that's why I relish the opportunity of sitting down with other people in this island and talking about what we want to build together, you know, um, and I, I know what you're talking about, the, the, the kind of incidences of, of racism that we've sort of seen recently. Those people aren't builders, they're wreckers. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll produce nothing of any value or any use, you know, but we've got to be builders and we've got to be very self-conscious about the fact that we're, we are building a nation, you know, um, and that requires thinking about the institutions that are going to be here, that are going to be inclusive. That means thinking about the democratic processes that we're going to have, which are going to allow us to be represented um, here. And, you know, that, that, that to me is exciting. That's an exciting thing to be part of. No, 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 no. It's so important that we don't become like emotionally cauterized. 
and just disengage from the whole process and go, nothing will ever change. We can't be like that. We have to be steely and we have to fight for something because we can't just let democracy go because, okay, I like a bit of anarchy, good anarchy, but I can't predict that everybody's going to be doing the good kind of anarchy. Do you know, we need to start shaping some values um, and actually seven tests and things that we can agree on together so that no matter what happens constitutionally, we have a project that we can like, see and imagine so a future. Just a very last together. question, and it's it's an important one because we've, we've been putting this to people for a number of years now. Are you comfortable with the new national anthem being the Divine Comedies at the Indie Disco? Claire? Yes. Steve? Yes. Prefer Lankham. Yeah, I see, this is, see, well. see, this is why. I no, no, no. With a, look, the, 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 straight away, Martin. The split. The split straight the away. Split, the split. The, the split just comes. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. So close to Christmas. I know you guys are busy. And I know Steve there has a lot of proletariat decoration to do. So we, we have to leave him at that. You know, he's cutting up decorations, newspapers to make decorations for Christmas. I love it, Steve. I love it. Listen, have a great Christmas. Claire, Steve, have a great Christmas. Enjoy yourselves. Have a peaceful Christmas and enjoy yourselves. And thanks for having this conversation with us. Thank Very you, mean. guys. Thanks for having it's us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I do think, Steve, if you got rid of a little bit of that, you go for more Gramsci than Marx. You know, that little, uh, you, yeah. you have the you, you have that foppish Gramsci uh, hairline. I'm telling you, it will work for you, man. You can just, and you can say, you can you can use Gramsci better now. Honestly, it's it's a nicer, it's a nicer um, New Year message than than that old Marxist stuff, you know? <laughs> told me at my age I'm just glad to have a hairline yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Martin tells everybody he used to have shoulder length hair and uh, and uh, I don't know whether it was the chemo or just a bad blood Martin that, that they Motorcycle helmets. Motorcycle helmets. But yeah, listen, it, you can always say to people that you join Martin for his last ever Christmas. Thank thank God. Oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> listen, Steve, Claire, lovely to chat talk, with you. Talk to you soon, folks. Take care. Bye, bye, bye. Good luck, guys. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.